This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Um, I'm doing all right. I had a tropical storm or post-tropical wave roll through today, so that was fun. Got like six inches of rain, but you know, luckily I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I the, the uh, compound has held up, and you know, other than that, I'm doing pretty well. Big cat, how have you been? Doing okay. Um, actually, I don't have anything of, of value to add. Honestly, I didn't didn't really do anything interesting today. Uh, supposed to be getting some work done on my, uh, my backyard, and the guys canceled on me. It's not going to happen until next week. I mean. So. You know, you, you got to have a guy, apparently. Yeah, well, my guy's letting me down. But, you know, that's well, really well, the biggest thing that happened in my day. I, I'm trying to imagine your backyard. What, what is it? You're getting like a stump pulled? Like you need to get a stump shredder? Or are you trying to get in some like fencing? Got to add some fencing and redo the steps coming off of my deck. Oh, you're a deck guy. Okay. Oh, boy, am I got a deck now. I mean, Dick that boy. changes everything. A big deck boy, Aaron <laughs> Bentley, right here. Oh, uh, we're also joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. Nate, do you have a deck? I have a balcony, Aaron. Okay, that works. It's uh, made of wood. Yep. So it's really, it's all That's... it really is, is a very high deck. Yeah, I was going to say, I just have a big balcony, basically. Yeah, yours is low to the ground, though, which is less exciting. No, it's high. It's high. You have a uh, high deck? Not as high as yours, I guess. I mean, are, your deck is not on the second floor, I assume. Um, no, it's on the first floor, okay. but it's uh, pretty high that, still. That's really all I needed to know about the relative highness of your deck. <laughs> It'd be funny if it came off the second floor. Uh, no, first floor. <laughs> it, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I do have a balcony. Um, very rarely use it. Um, because I don't smoke, uh, I do occasionally go stand on it or sit out there and play switch for, you know, 45 minutes and then lose interest in the outdoors in general. Sure. Understandable. Uh, anything else going on with you? Um, anything else going on with me? No. Um, pretty, pretty busy, uh, week in the world of gaming, Aaron. Any uh, any news on your mm. uh, continued gaming adventures? I've heard that uh, there's a new PlayStation coming out. There is. <laughs> it yes. just seems to be like a lot of news, and it was like overwhelming for me, so I just decided to ignore it. Uh, pretty pretty poor messaging by the fine people at Sony. Um, you know, uh, Dion Ciccone Frazier level of uh, mixed <laughs> information and uh, poor job of managing expectations. Uh, but yeah, there's a new PlayStation coming out, also a new Xbox, although the, you know, relative newness of the new Xbox line is of some dispute. 
All right. So, well, let's let's just talk about this. So, here's my understanding: new PlayStation. Some right. version of it costs four hundred, and some version of it costs five hundred. Got it. Got it. Uh, mostly backwards compatible. Uh, overwhelmingly backwards compatible with PlayStation Four games. Yes. Okay, but there's something about you can buy a version where you can't use physical games. Yeah, yes. that's the difference between the hundred the the version that costs a hundred dollars more is it has a disc drive, whereas the cheaper one does not. Oh. You have to buy all your games digitally. And okay. it's a similar situation with the new Xboxes. Not that similar because the the Series S is considerably weaker than yeah, the Series it's bad. S. Yeah, yeah the, the Series Whereas S is the big, PlayStation bad. 5 differences are only the existence of a disk drive, and otherwise the cheaper one is just as powerful. Okay, and it, what about same hard drive space? Uh, yeah, same hard drive space. I think it's a little less than a terabyte. It's like 800 gigs or something. Yeah, but it's like they have a proprietary drive. I guess that's the big thing, and that's one of the things that Sony, why Sony is priced higher than uh the xbox this round is they have some proprietary hard drive or something like on their board even though it's basically identical of the like they're the not, X is, it's not they're not priced they're the price the same wait i thought that the uh xbox series x was 400 not 499 no 499 okay never mind then yeah no they're they sony matched them on the price which is probably what they were planning to do uh yeah. all along uh but yeah that's the the big advancement for the Sony is their proprietary solid state drive that is faster than, you know, an equivalent solid state drive on a computer. So looks ugly. That's my main take. It just <laughs> well, yeah. looks bad. I really like the PS4 the way it looks, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this like looks pretty angles? bad. You like the angles of the four versus the uh, big router energy of the five? Yeah. Plus it's just like all black, you know, versus this like white and black thing. It does look like a router. It looks like a big router. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't feel like I need to like pre-order it or run out and get it immediately. Uh, but yeah. I don't like play a lot of games either. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Honestly, as a very impatient person, the the appeal of playing all the games I'm already playing, but with no loading times is, uh, you know, uh, would be a considerable upgrade. It, I get that. It's something for me that like now we're at a place that basically everything that's going to be put on the PS4 except for first party and second party stuff is the exact same stuff that'll be out on computer that I'm like, okay, I just built, I just got a new custom PC. I'm not bothering it. And then Nintendo is going to release probably a 4K Switch next year. So like that's where my interest is lying. I'm very right skeptical now. about that. I don't, they, they're always constantly uh, rumors about a Nintendo revision and they don't pan out 98% of the time. Well, I feel like they're gonna have the pressure now, you know. No, they they exist independent of the other consoles entirely. They have they have no pressure. They're just making money hand over fist. But it's at a time in the Switch's lifespan that if you compare it to like the 3DS and like the Wii U, that like they did the updates about three years in. So yeah, but even then, those upgrade those updates were a matter of like, oh, the chip that we used on the original 3DS is not being. Uh, uh, manufactured in large enough quantities. So we have to get this better chip simply because it's the one that the chip manufacturers are making now. Uh, and then, you know, basically no games that they released for the 3DS took any advantage of that whatsoever. It's like the Xenoblade <laughs> remake or not even remake port did. And that was about it. 
So yeah, it's just Nintendo's gonna, you know, Nintendo's gonna Nintendo. A lot of a lot of PS5 talk to lead off uh, this episode. Uh, if you want more of that, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And if you'd like to support the show, please do so by going to patreon.com slash everything elite. Hey, I can hit a AEW point here. Recent uh, reports that they... Made some, uh, you know, trademark registrations for a possible general manager type game, you know, wrestling booking simulator possible. Uh, any thoughts on that from the two of you? I'm, uh, you know, I like that kind of stuff, especially if it's going to be like a cell phone, like mobile game. Like if you're going to do something like that, like not necessarily going deep into like extreme wrestling warfare or TW, but like having something along the lines of like motorsport manager or like football manager. I think that there's a, uh, I think that that is definitely a Avenue that you can do with that. Uh, it, it's one of those things that when you like look at this like company and seeing how a lot of the consumer products in a lot of ways, with the exception of like t-shirts and like clothing, seems like that in comparison to WWE, like they're still like action figures things. And like they're, they've only like recently started doing that, that it seems like that, as now they are fully into year two, you would hope that they would start announcing things like this. So seeing those trademarks kind of lined up with like what I was, what I was hoping for, like the, the uh, booker or the promotion manager thing, I think is pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, as well established on this show, I don't know anything about gaming. Um, I mean, I hope it's not like a, you know, WWE had the, uh, the card, the mobile card game. Sure. Super card. That's not very interesting to me. Um, Maybe a manager. I don't know. I don't really play those a lot, but it's a possible. I would try it out, obviously. That's it. That's my big thought. Um, I do think, like, I don't know. Do they need? I feel like the WWE, like, actual video games have, have fallen in popularity. Yeah, I mean, they've been bad for, like, a decade plus. Um, and in the last two installments, it seems like the idiot WWE crowd uh, became aware of that. And we're like, hmm, let's, <laughs> let's maybe not purchase this with the same fervor that we used to. You know, it's probably uh, – it correlates with the WWE's general decline in popularity and viewership. And maybe people realizing, hmm, this sure has been bad for an extremely long amount of time. Um, so, yeah, there's, you know, definitely – you know, the whole idea of AEW is, hey, Tony Khan thinks he found a hole in this market where he can get a big TV contract uh, with a new alternative semi-niche wrestling product. And it would stand to reason there's probably a similar, uh, you know, opportunity in the video game marketplace. I guess that was my question is like, is there, is this going to, has this hurt the market so badly that a company's not going to want to make another wrestling game? No. Um, or is there a way to kind of revitalize that? I, I think that there's, especially given with like Kenny Omega and the stuff he said, but at this point, I feel like almost everything he said was fan service in regards to this. Like there is definitely a marketplace, I feel like for a wrestling game and especially with like the things like the buzzwords they were saying about like the Aki engine and reminding people of both virtual pro wrestling and No Mercy slash WCW and WO Revenge. Like there is like something like this because it's gotten so far away from it at this point. And the interesting thing is like going cell phone first 
you know, like that is a wild thing. Cause like WWE has like an insane amount of cell phone games that just no one ever talks about. Like there was like Supercard, they had like a match three game. They had like a weird gotcha game as well. So like there was like there was a uh like a uh, a Mortal Kombat kind of fighting right. game. Yeah, like, yeah. Immortals, immortals, immortals. Yeah, yeah. So like going mobile makes sense to me. It's just one of those things that the marketplace and especially like with like the systems all changing, it's a tough time to like jump in with like a brand new franchise right now. Like that is the difficulty. And I don't know if that's necessarily linked to 2K and WWE putting out absolute dog shit for the last like eight years, but it doesn't make things easier. Is THQ still around? Is that what it was called? No, THQ. No, THQ uh, went bankrupt and all their, they made a weird, bizarre tablet peripheral yeah. Uh, this is like <laughs> long after the potential market for weird video game peripherals had died. Uh, and yeah, so they, they went belly up. Um, but the, what you're thinking of is the, the Aki games, which were the, the ones Mike mentioned, the WCW NWO revenges. Those are the ones that THQ published back in the day. So you had Aki man and THQ man. Um, their developer is still around, uh, and changed their name to sin Sophia and, now makes uh, Prepara idle games and style savvy games. Um, we probably saw arcade cabinets made by that company, but they were the, you know, rhythm games with idols all over them and stuff when we were in Japan. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a market opportunity. I think also because WWE video games was like, oh, we're gonna actually maybe take a year off entirely from putting a game out this year because uh, again, they've been really bad. Um, and we, we need to maybe, uh, put some time and effort into making them not so bad. Uh, so now there's like, you know, going to be an actual time gap in which there's just no new game on the market to play. Okay. That all makes sense. Yeah. The WCW NWO game, that's like the height of my time as a gamer. So yeah, it would certainly at least have the nostalgia pool for me. That is for me. And you know, uh, Julian, other people, what got me into wrestling was, going and playing that game at friend's house and being like, Oh, I don't understand what this is, but I'm having a blast. Interesting. Um, I don't have anything good to say about that, but I do think it's interesting. That's how you got into wrestling. Yeah. It's like the gamer sports axis of, of, uh, wrestling fans. Yeah. That's the best way to, you know, I was late getting into NFL football, which I've also just entirely gotten out of now, but that's like how I got into it was, Oh yeah. The only game that's out, uh, launching, with the GameCube launch is Madden. I guess I better buy a copy of Madden. And then, oh, now I know all the rules to football and all this shit. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I, I'm i not sure how I got into it. It just like, it appeared in my life one day. Uh, what are we going to talk about on this show? So we're going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to run down Dynamite from this week. We've got some notes on next week's Dynamite. Uh, we're going Dynamite. to... What's that? Dynamites. Dynamites. That's right. Two episodes next week. And uh, there's some interesting stuff here about, I guess we'll talk about the the Evil East thing at some point. I assume that will come up. That's kind of the big thing that's been uh, going around today so far on uh, Thursday. So let's start with Elite or Delete. Delete. Elite. Delete. Elite. Nate, buddy, what 
Well, I'm going to be shocked if you don't pick what I think you're going to pick. But let's hear. What was your favorite thing from this week? Aaron, pal, um, I was going to make the distinct effort not to pick the obvious thing here. Okay. Throw Mike a bone because, of course, I have been monopolizing the first spot on the lead or delete. So I was going to shout out as a strong point of this episode, the setup and resolution to our six-man tag for next week where we had Lance Archer, Jake the Snake Roberts, allying, allying with Team Taz, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage. Set that up very well. Uh, this was, you know, they they ha- got down to brass tacks um, in terms of having Lance and uh, having Jake the Snake Roberts like stay on point. Like, hey, here's what I'm, <laughs> here's what I have to accomplish in this promo. I'm not going to ramble on and talk over people uh, for the entire segment. Um, and you know, put together that Team Taz has a reason to agree to this, reason to back up Lance Archer because Brian Cage is going to get the first shot. Plus, it's like, hey what good is having a manager if they're not going to do smart and conniving business moves to give you some sort of advantage. And then you have John Moxley comes out, of course, uh, you know, being the lone wolf guy, um, but is attacked by Ricky Starks who comes from the crowd playing off the actual fan who went after Moxley on the pay-per-view the other week. Uh, and then the shock of the show and really the highlight, uh, at least of this segment, he's getting attacked by Ricky Starks and Brian Cage and Will Hobbs comes from the front of the arena, presumably coming from ringside where he was seated watching there with a chair to come to John Moxley's aid. Uh, you know, his builds well off the Battle Royale because that's where he first got his shine and he was in there with the rest of these Team Taz guys. Makes the save with the chair. John Moxley announces he'll be his partner for the six-man tag next week. Uh, Darby Allen also a perfect fit with John Moxley given there, uh, you know, back and forth in this promotion to this point. Uh, and it's just a great fucking setup. Will Hobbs' appearance was unexpected. And just like, you know, that's when wrestling is probably probably its most fun is when they give you something you weren't expecting but still makes all the sense in the world uh, and still has the potential to lead to something even better. And, yeah, uh, pretty high for a random six-man tag to build to a title shot next week. Yeah, they. I, it was pretty clear that – they were probably going to do team Taz with uh, Archer going into this. Like it felt like that cage and Starks matching up with them. And especially with like the manager and a place that said made a lot of sense. So like seeing that happen and be like, all right, that's what I expected. That's not like a head scratcher. That makes sense. And then just like, I didn't think about this name until you brought it up here, but the idea of Will Hobbs being like at ringside, like doing, like being a wrestler at ringside, like cheering everything on and just getting so pissed off that he grabs his chair and runs up the stairs. That would have been like, now that's like mind cannon. Like that is such a cool thing. And let's talk about the AEW superstar machine, because I know that we sometimes have said it might be broken a little bit or might be having some issues or might have a jam, but boy, ever since all out and the casino battle Royal, they've made Will Hobbs into like someone that's a budding superstar. In a lot of ways, I mean, ever since like the uh, the Casino Battle Royale, he basically just tears through people on dark, and now he's getting the huge like step up. and And now that we know he's like officially under contract, and they've done their Will Hobbs is all elite thing. So it, it was incredibly effective. And then the the ability of like John Mox at your everything just like stared down the barrel of the camera and just like Darby, I know you're watching at home. Get your ass to Jacksonville next week. And then like, and and I cutting that out there was like really effective. And I thought that that was a very 
awesome use of something they've done a lot with like the uh, manager stuff, but then also like subverting it, playing off of the pay-per-view and then elevating a brand new star. So I thought like that rocked. This really highlighted what makes AEW or one thing that makes AEW better than WWE, which is on WWE, this would have been at the start of the show. And then the six man would have been at the end of the show. And in AEW instead, they like build this up and then give you a week to think about it. Uh, hype it up in your own mind and like get excited for it, which makes Will Hobbs seem like a bigger deal because if he's just like, oh, and then he he ends up looking like the fucking 12 year old that tagged with Braun Strowman. If he's just like at the end of the show, he comes out and he's on this team. But now it's like it gets time to settle in your mind of like, OK, he belongs with John Moxley and Darby Allen. And I think that'll help uh, for next week when this comes. The uh, I was thinking about that exact same thing today, which is that. They really like they get, they did nothing here. Like really, they didn't give anything away here. All they did was say, uh, "Hey, we have a six man tag that's going to be next week." Okay, it's a six man tag. It's not a not a title match. There's no big gimmick, whatever. But they just do little things throughout the show. They say, "Oh, you know, Lance Archer and uh, John Moxley have to find their partners. We may find out who they are tonight." Which is like, okay, now I have an intrigue item where I'm like, "Oh, I'm wondering who that's going to be. Who could that?" be as i'm watching throughout the show and then they give you an angle to put it together and and tell you it's going to be next week and it's like okay you just made you know basically a throwaway match leading up to this title shot uh, uh you know carry the whole middle portion of this show and now it's got build so it's got more hype for next week's show and like it, it, it you didn't give anything away at all you just like it, you actually enhanced a basic match it's yeah it's it's really quite simple when you do it this way, but uh, you know, thank God they do. Well, especially when you already know that Darby's going to be one of Mox's partners. So you, but you're kind of scratching your head because he really doesn't interact with that many other people. So you know, a great way to get you worked up and then to deliver in a way that that makes you, I think, intrigued, as you said. And then they've been having these bigger um, audiences lately, so it's like a perfect time to start putting things in that it's like, you want to see how this plays out next and it's going to pay off next week and you want to see it. You need to come back. So uh, yeah, good idea all around. Yeah. And the final point uh, I've just not having Darby there actually enhanced it as well. I think because we've seen Darby go after Brian Cage and Ricky Starks, you know, with regularity, like pretty much week after week, he was finding some way to attack them. Uh, and then, of course, he got taken out of the Battle Royal and was like, you know, presumably very hurt by that. Um, so just good to have, again, the sort of uh, intrigue item for next week. We are like, oh, I haven't seen Darby in three weeks. I have to tune in next week if I want to see him. Uh, and they didn't even give him to me on this show. They're still teasing that out. It's like, you know, you can turn a Darby Allen appearance or a match into like a hot ticket item for your TV show. Just by like holding them off and building a feud instead of, you know, having the same 25 guys on every single TV show every single week. The, the Team Taz Darby thing is the best thing they've done. Like it's just perfectly built and perfectly paced. And that's why I mean, that's a big reason why this pays off, because you imagine if you put just like three random heavies on the other side, you know, three bad guys. And it's like, OK, we're going to do a thing with Mox this week. And it's like, okay, you know, this was still well executed, but the time that they've invested in Team Taz and Darby uh, really paid off here. All right, Mike, your elite pick of this week. 
Well, thank you, Nate, for letting me talk about what is really line item A on the show. And it's the main event. It's the parking lot street fight between the best friends and Zatanna Ortiz. What I think is the best TV match they've had in the promotion. I like it even more than the Ironman match that had uh, Pac and uh, Kenny Omega earlier this year, which, wow, that feels like a lifetime ago. But just like the confluence of how, like talking about how they built things up week by week. Last week they announced, okay, we are going to have the parking lot street fight. We're going to have this here after about a month and a half of them going back and forth. And like, then they spent the whole entire episode pretty much building up this parking lot street fight, parking lot street fight. And then it happened and it delivered on every single level. You had great, like just hardcore wrestling, plunder matches, deathmatch. Dustin was back. You had best friends come out there. You had Trent doing the bunkhouse gear with like the jeans tucked into the boots. And then he had Dustin as like deathmatch Dustin with like the t-shirt, the basketball shorts and the kick pads. And then this, the match they had, now, I know that you two were more WCW kids than I was. Do you think that Turner would have allowed this kind of match to go on WCW? Because I feel like that this is like something that like the, the famed Turner standards and practices would have had a field day with this, but they went away with this year. Yeah, it's um, a pretty interesting question. The shot of Trent's back all cut up is like a considerably more violent shot than you would usually get you know, on television, uh, because you know, it, it's a shot you would expect on a GCW show more than a televised major league wrestling promotion. Um, yeah, I no, I, I don't think you would have seen it, um, on old school WCW. Um, they should bring back the uh, standards and practices stable with Miss Hancock in it. I think that would, uh, be big. She's not doing anything else. And again, that'd be just be another big jump from the WWE. I mean, I think she, I, I, I don't even know what Stacey Keeler was up to. After she did Dancing with the Stars, she started dating George Clooney, and that seemed to be it. I mean, maybe yeah, she, she was riding that out for a, a good chunk of time there, better part of a decade. Um, good gig She's, if you can get it. She's married to a short, rich guy now. Uh, fellow short king? Yeah, and by short, I mean shorter than her. I mean, she's fucking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I forget how tall she is, but it's big. But yeah, this match was just insane. Like you had like the great like playoff of that. This is a car promotion. They love wrecking cars. They must have like handed the company oh, card. Sorry. I just oh. realized she's 5'11". <laughs> Not even six foot. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. Mike. Company cars. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead, no, Mike. I, I imagine that QT got the company card, went down to a police auction. And just was like, all right, what can I, what can I get to like make circle up and just destroy? And then we had them destroy it. Uh, the stuff of doing moves onto like, the engine block and then slamming the hood down was brutal. Uh, Tony Schiavone correctly pointing out that CNRTs had face paint like the dead presidents. Like that was tight as well. And, you know, everything pay, just like played off each other and paid off so well that, of course, you have, uh, you have Orange Cassie jump out of the uh, trunk, out of the boot, having the chain, doing the orange punch, and then like, being making sure that the best friends were going to win. And then, you know, Sue with her brand new minivan rolling up to take them away. I love the little touch of that. Sue had a beaded seat cover, you know I mean? Like that feels like a very <laughs> Sue thing. And then like the last like shots you had of the show was Chuck, like bleeding with like his head out of the window, 
Trent just like behind him just looks completely just exhausted. And then, you know, Sue, Sue flipping the bird just was like excellent stuff. And, you know, it's one of those things that with the promotion being able to do a satisfying thing, especially after like we felt like that they weren't going to give this satisfying conclusion after that one tag match and then being thrown into the casino battle royal, like having this be the summation of the feud. I feel like that just knocked it out of the park and my favorite match they've had on TV for the last, uh, for last year. I think it's their best TV match ever. Yeah. Match kicked ass. Um, I do Aaron, you know, I think you're right that the Darby and team Taz thing has been a really good build, but this feud paying off in such an excellent way, it's going to be hard for, for any feud to top it. Like in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, now that best friends versus Santana Ortiz thing was pretty fucking awesome. Um, the, you know, having the blow off be in a parking lot um, and having all the car based violence was like perfect thematically for the build and then destroying Sue's minivan. Uh, and then, yeah, just the, you know, the uh, violence level and the pacing and uh, just all the awesome unique spots that they came up with. Uh, you know, I don't know how you can top it. Like one of the better matches of the year period. Um, and really, I think the, uh, a great testament to them having a unique way to blow this off in a way that escalated it from the previous match, which, like you said, kind of seemed like uh, you know a time filler more than a escalation of the feud. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, you just can't. These guys were bleeding all over this place to kick each other's ass. Baby faces won. Uh, Sue got her revenge. Just a great capstone to a feud right there. Um, and you know, I. Santana Ortiz have been de-emphasized, I think, a lot over the last couple months. Uh, but this, you know, you, you, you go out and you put on a performance like this and you have a war like this, and it's like it just escalates you right back to the whatever peak you were at. It's like, oh, yeah, I fucking forgot Santana Ortiz kick ass and are badasses and, you know, can be at any level in this promotion that they need to be. Um, yeah, it was fucking awesome. Um, I'm, like, really high on the best friends now is, like, they're – potential stardom moving forward uh i mean i guess i thought i was i don't know if i thought i was gonna be the high person but i mean i it's my match of the year it's my favorite match of the whole year um i've thought about it all day about like other matches i would place right up but i just it's something interesting about like the whole environment of it you had a pretty good build i saw a tweet today from uh or maybe it's last night from joe gagney who i like but joe said the build of this was silly, but they did a, you know, a really serious match. And I'm like, I don't know. I think it was silly in a way, but in a way that like fit their version of serious, like what I would expect from the best friends. I feel like yeah, they're, they they're took it naturally. Seriously. They're naturally silly characters, but they still, right. they still play the tone of it uh, exactly on point. Yeah, it was serious to them. Like, so if, if you buy into the characters, then then it works. But I guess it, I mean, a lot of it was just the violence that I did not expect to see. And then they did a lot of very creative spots, you know, and kind of, you know, taking something like a normal ass plunder match and, and inverting a lot of kind of what you would expect from it. The cars thing, that was a great setup and just some brutal bumps. I mean, the finish to this match where he takes that through plywood and then into the bed of a truck like that had to hurt really badly so <laughs> i just thought they hit all the right notes uh in the match and uh yeah i loved it so i 
I don't know. Can't think of a match that I, you know, the only other match that I thought was on this level this year, it's been a bad year, I think. Uh, you know, just like not a lot of high end stuff. Uh, would be probably, the, probably could have just finished the sentence after it's been a bad <laughs> yeah uh the bucks uh versus hangman and omega you know is the only other one that's really on the same level but yeah the um the the bumps were awesome the fuck oh the you know mick foley did a video putting over the match and was like yeah also put over that's like i i know it was like crazy violent and insane but also it's like it wasn't super unsafe like you know that windshield spot looks super gnarly but you get some superficial, you know, scratches, cuts on your back and you get blood, but it's not like you're doing, you know, head trauma from a 30 foot scissor list or what scissor lift or whatever. Um, so, the, you know, but the testament to that uh, being a well-worked match as well. Yeah, it was dangerous, but not like life changing, but not like <laughs> foolish. Right. The danger, of course, is, is part of the fun. Uh, oh, the other well, the last thing I want to put over uh was you know they they already learned this lesson they learned this lesson back when they had the street fight through daly's place prior to the stadium stampede but just having all the fans of ringside come and form a ring around all the cars is like oh that's of course you would do that you get some crowd noise you make it seem like it's some sort of underground fight or whatever uh and it just seems way more organic and authentic and you know the other company wouldn't do that yes that's true uh stacy keebler's husband Jared Pobre, uh, founder and CEO of Future Ads. Hmm. Apparently, he's made about two hundred million dollars with some. Is uh, that a uh, is that an Ideanomics subsidiary? It's a company that works in <laughs> online advertising, app distribution, and gaming monetization. I does, bet it uh, does. Aaron Taub might write ad copy for them. <laughs> it probably does. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, can you imagine being having two hundred million dollars? And also being married to Stacey Keebler, like fucked up, right? <laughs> Just fucked up. Yeah, he's, I mean, the guy's probably 5'9", you know? Okay. But, you know, not I, I I did think she was taller. I was going to guess 6'1". I mean, this is just, you know, what I pulled up on the internet. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, there you go. Stacey Keebler. You got to know what she's up to. All right. I think it's my turn for my elite pick of the week. And we're going to go with uh, High T Miro. I'm just going to stay on this wave. Uh, you got him here. He's jacked as fuck. He's benching <laughs> a ton of weight. He uh, just stands up and then like very smartly is like, oh, here's my thing about how much I can't wait to kick some people's asses. And then boom, switches right into. And now let me do this really like funny thing that I've got worked up about your bachelor party. You know, like I feel like he understands what he wants to do. He's got this role to play right now. We know he's going to get to the other thing later, but he also is good at both things. So when you're not a you know shitty wrestling company, you can have guys who can be serious and funny at different times. And Miro's showing uh, that that's possible. Nice. That's a bold pick, Aaron. That's uh, it was a good segment. It was maybe the shortest segment on the show. It was probably about 45 <laughs> seconds on a very strong show. Almost everything on this show hit. So you could, you had a lot of room to pick other things. Uh, I almost wonder if you're making a point of picking this uh, to, to win your online feuds. Um, but yeah, it was really good. Uh, I, I like there's, there's something very funny to me. The tension of Miro being, uh, you know, this 
bruiser, giant, muscly guy, but also engaging with this preposterous story about him being a best man for a wrestling wedding with a guy that he's you know probably never met before before a week ago. Uh, that's very amusing to me. Uh, so I like, you know, I'm just I, I'm not bothered by him being slot at this point at this time. I do wonder, you know, are we going to get tension here because Penelope's been sidelined in all these, and they're like planning a very masculine bachelor's party right in earshot of her. Like, is that going to be a problem for her? Um, that's a you know something to keep an eye out for. It, it's something that with I I think that over like the last week what we've really discovered is that how much I think a lot of wrestling discourse has been warped by 20 years of WWE brainworms and the way that they tell stories and the way that you are entirely like single dimensional, unless you're someone like Daniel Bryan for a lot of different ways. So having like this remind people, it's like, Oh no, Miro is not only a drip God. He's not only the best gamer. He's not only the best man. But he's still just like a jack dude, hunk, just bench pressing like crazy. And just like the, the interplay with that was all really funny. I think that's going to be like interesting, like the aspect of it. They've made references now two weeks in a row that Kip is not a very good Twitch streamer or video gamer. Like there's been like little like sidelines here that I think would be really funny. And I say I think it'll be really funny just because the reaction will be real funny if it turns out that the big turn is not because of like some wrestling thing, but it's like, I know that they're doing like the face clan thing, the two of them imagining like if, if something happens like in a Twitch rivals duo tournament, that it's because of <laughs> Kip Sabian fucking up that Miro just loses it. Cause he's the best. And he can't stand the fact that this guy is not the best. And, and like in the last week, like seeing like how happy Miro is, and he just seems like a delightful person. It's like, how can't you love this? Like it, it, unless you're like a fun police person. Uh, I, I, he does seem very happy, which is, uh, endearing. Uh, he does, we are going to reach a point at which he's talking too much because at this point, everything he says on his various streams is getting reported on. Uh, and you know, it, at some point you just, uh, are exposed to too much reality of a pro wrestling personality. Uh, so that's, that's a hard, hard line to walk. Um, I do. I, <laughs> the, this, the best man thing. Did you see the best man shirts? Oh boy, made. did I! Yeah. Does it does it feel like the best man is just a, a line that Miro came up with for himself and then like came yes. to AEW with it? He seems, yes. <laughs> which is like just existing independently of the idea of a wedding. He just came comes his own. He's like, I want to be known as the best man. And yeah, I mean, this is where we <laughs> they just like out of nowhere were like, oh, by the way, Penelope and Kip are getting married uh, on our show. So yeah, I absolutely think this was Miro's idea. And they're just like, okay, dude, let's see what happens. You know, I mean, for better the phrase, the best man, which I mean, you know, Rusev day was just a nonsensical phrase that he got over. So why not for better or worse? They seem to go with, you know, their, their wrestlers ideas a lot. And I guess they're just going to let Miro do his thing and see what happens. So, yeah, I think you're right that he's, he's going to talk too much and make himself uh, less of a star for sure. Um, because, uh, he's he's got some wild ideas, I guess. <laughs> That's the best way to say it. Well, honestly, uh, the one the one that that chafed me was some comment about he got injured in a match with Pack, so he didn't want to work with Pack, which is that that's a 
that's a that's not a star making comment. That's you know he, he should be out there saying, "Oh, I'm gonna beat the shit out of Pack or whatever." And also, like Pack's just like the best wrestler, so just crazy to not want to work with him. I also, but yeah, um, that was Mike bait and he didn't bite. I know. Oh, oh, oh no, I nodded. I was like, no, no. I'm glad that after a year, <laughs> audio <laughs> medium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The- I I mean, for our readers here, I was nodding. <laughs> the other thing I really liked from this was that. They seem to already be suggesting that Kip is Miro's manager. I mean, they like they had a little back and forth here that was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get you in the matches. Don't worry about that." But right now, we're talking about the wedding, so I I think it's gonna play out that way. That Kip is just gonna be in a in a promotion full of managers. Kip Sabian might be uh, one to look out for. Talent on the rise. Could he be the best man? Adger. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Oh fuck! That's wow, what they're guys, gonna do, isn't it? You guys really—you linked. You were both. You both had half that idea, and it just came together in a beautiful way. <laughs> That's what they're gonna do, isn't it? He's gonna say he's the best manager. I, I, I can't mean, wait for that. I, I, I mean, this is the Kara tweet where she said <laughs> that he's gonna end up being the manager for both AEW World Men's and AEW World Women's Champion. Like that's the timeline we're in. Just get, just, just speckle yourselves in, folks. Get ready for Kip Sabian, <laughs> the manager of champions. Uh, and if you are good at managing championship things, I don't know that messed that up, but champions <laughs> is a good segue. So I'm going to go with it anyway, because you know, when champions are crowned winning season and right now at my bookie, it's winning season. And the great thing about winning season at my bookie is you get to double your first deposit. So if you've never been on my bookie before, never had an account there, never deposited, you can deposit up to $1,000 and they will double it if you use the promo code ELITE. So we've got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. There's baseball going on, UFC. I think there's a big UFC card coming up. So there's a ton of sports going on right now that you can bet on. Uh, but you can also bet on a lot of other crazy things at my bookie. Okay, I've, I've, as I was scrolling my bookie earlier today, I came across this thing. And then some other stuff I'd seen. I see so much crazy things on Twitter that I just kind of let them wash over me sometimes rather than like look into what they might be. So sure. so Sasha Banks is going to be in The Mandalorian. Is that correct? Yes, yeah. she is. Yes. Okay. Well, I've got a bet for you. Okay. Does the Sasha Banks character die in season two of The Mandalorian? Oh, what, what do we have as the line on this? Well, I want to get your your thoughts first, and then I'll give you the line. Well, I'll tell, my my analysis starting point is I have not watched The Mandalorian. I'm pretty Same. much pretty much off Western TV. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, just super obnoxious to say. Pretentious <laughs> um, <laughs> thing out of you there, Nate. Uh, but I'm especially off of uh, Star Wars, um, so I haven't seen it. I don't know <laughs> at what I'm rate off of Western TV. <laughs> I don't know at what rate they kill people off. I don't know, you know, how significant a character she's going to be. All sure. totally foreign to me. But um, my thought would be, no. I think, I think, you know, it being a Disney series now, they want to hook people into these, you know, Disney Plus services and just have everything continue on forever, as is right uh, traditional in you know Western mm-hmm. TV. Uh, so I think the the actual deaths would be few and far between, and so she'll survive. 
Uh, just for interest sake, I would say yes, they'll kill her off because she only has so much screen time because of having to get down to the Thunderdome. So, so the the in, the odds are interesting here. Yes is at plus 600. Okay, so I'm taking the long shot here. Yeah, no is at minus 2,000. No. Okay, you, you know, I, I found something that you could also bet on in my bookie. You can do politics bets. And yes, that we are living in election days as I'm someone that... Nate, I had seven different advertisements during the show on YouTube TV about Lindsey Graham last night, but that's not Ugh. what I'm here, here to talk about. Uh, I found something that I, I have a little bit of action going on this. Will Joe Biden be uh, COVID-19 positive before September 29th? I mean, he'll die. <laughs> if he, he gets, gets it. it. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the ad. Uh, but, but here is it. Yes or no. Do you think he's going to get before September 29th? So you have 12 days. I, I guess I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm going to say no. Because it doesn't seem like, you know, you reach a certain income level and you just become immune to COVID for whatever reason. Unless you're Bolsonaro. <laughs> well, yeah, but he he catches it all the time, but it never does anything. So that's right. effectively the same thing. So I guess yeah. Biden also wouldn't die. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll take yes. He's going. He, well, does he have any like he's doing more appearances? I mean, sure. he's going to come in contact with somebody. I'll, I'll take a yes. All right. So yes is plus 300. No is minus 500. Wow. So it's like pretty close honestly it's something where you can have you have better odds thinking that joe biden is going to test positive with COVID 19 than you are that a fictional character played by sasha banks might die in a tv show here's the thing there's no fucking way they'd tell us if he gets it yeah i mean that's the other thing <laughs> we'll never find that out okay um well here's the thing if you want to bet on one of those things you can go to my bookie uh, you definitely want to go to my bookie. You can invest in your intuition. You should be saving for the future, but savings accounts suck and investing can be scary. We combine the ease of savings with the real returns of investing. We call it Save Vesting, and it's only available in our new app, Stairs. Stairs offers 4 to 6% returns, no fees, and you can withdraw anytime. Do your future a favor. Visit stairsapp.com today. You can also do live betting, which is something I like to do during games. It's a lot of fun. The odds kind of change as they as they go. Uh, and if you use the promo code ELITE, you'll double your first deposit. That means you deposit $100, bucks, you will get 100 bucks free. You deposit $1,000, you'll get $1,000 free. $1,000 is the cutoff there. So uh, head on over, sign up now, bet with the best, celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today, only at my bookie. You're going to hit the uh, Weed Mouse Lock of the Week? Oh, I left out the fuck, the Weed Mouse Lock of the Week. It was I the apologize. Saints covering. The Saints covering. Yeah, I got to I gotta go find the lines for this week. I apologize, everyone. Uh, I know it paid off well in week one. It did. He's 1-0 against in his bets. So this... The so it's Saints. The, the Saints minus six uh, against the Raiders. I did not realize the Raiders were based in Las Vegas now. That's how out of oh, yeah. the NFL I am. Oh, yeah. Two new stadiums this year. Both the, the Las the Vegas Raiders, Raiders. The Raiders have their new stadium, and then the uh, Chargers and Rams have their new stadium. Does The Rock own the Las Vegas Raiders? That no. was a storyline on Ballers. Oh, I was trying to think. Is that? I guess it kind of sounds like an XFL team. <laughs> that was a, a ballers thing. 
about moving a team to Vegas. Okay, so hey, I, uh, when I used, used to play the aforementioned Madden, and they added the feature to let you move your franchise to any city, I would always move my team to to Las Vegas. I like that. Uh, Saints minus six. So, you know, get on that. Lock it in. Lock it in. All right, we got to do deletes. So, uh, Nate, what was your least favorite thing of the week? Honestly, not a ton to choose from. Not a ton to choose from. Really strong show. Um, you know, getting into the weeds here to find something. Uh, have complained about this previously. Just uh, not having everybody on the same page or, you know, just kind of repeating tropes within the same episode, kind of. Um, and I thought they kind of did that here. They had a couple different spots where... Uh, let's see, you had the uh, Lucha Brothers, Butcher and the Blade family. Overall, love that segment. But they did the bit where they went and pulled some random people out of ringside and started beating them up, uh, which was cool. Uh, but then that's also Lance Archer's spotlight. Lance Archer does that all the time, and he did it again here uh, when he came out to do his promo segment. He also described the fan by from ringside, Fuego, I think, uh, and destroyed him. Uh, and I think there was even one other instance of something very similar along these lines oh and i i guess this isn't super related but the young bucks opened the show by super kicking a referee which is like okay we get it people are attacking non-wrestlers um kind of kind of playing the same notes and they're all good independently all great ideas independently but when you put a lot of that in the same show it's just it, everyone means a little bit less they really do like having people get beat up a lot don't they well it is a pro wrestling company but like it, it's something where it's to just like the ones you named, there were three different random just ancillary person getting the crap kicked out of them. So I mean, it does seem like that that's an overwhelming thing, and they do it a lot. So it, it does kind of like when you have the Bucks open the show by super kicking uh, the referee and then walking by Tony Khan, basketball shorted up and t-shirts and just throwing a sack of cash. That has like one effect. And it hits you a certain way, which, you know, with like Butcher and the Blade and the family, I guess is what they might be called. Like just beating up like the Buffalo kids did not have the same effect there. So, you know, this is real evidence of why the AEW wrestlers need to unionize. They're forced to stand around this ring during the show and they just get their asses kicked regularly. So I would say, uh, you know, get your union cards, folks. That's my take. Nate, no, you already went. No. Mike, what would you delete? So there's something that I've noticed for a while and it really happened in the opening match with FTR and the Jurassic Express where they tried to do a bunch of flash pins and it ended up on a, a missed roll up where like it was like sit down out of a roll up and it just did not look very good. It looks really kind of trash and Dex doing this and then you had during the uh, private party versus Jericho and Hager match, a couple of like attempts for flash pins that they're making flash pins into a thing, but they don't know how to do them right. So what they need to do is they need to get Shima up on zoom. He's doing, he's doing videos right now. Shima's challenge Phoenix for something in AAA. So he's someone who knows his flash pins and they need to like go walk through. Like if you're going to be doing like a schoolboy or backslide, some of the slowest backslides, there's ways to do it to like get anticipation, get the crowd into it and not have really bad looking finishes. And that really, and I know that's nitpicking, but on a show like this that I just kind of go you know, with like FTR being the team that they're, that they say they are and they pull off stuff like this and it looks like crap. 
then it kind of dampens the idea that they of who they say they are. And that really frustrated me. Yeah, the finished one was a little janky, but I got to say I loved the structure of that uh, Luchasaurus-Jurassic Express FTR match where it was all just built around giving their you know future babyface star of the future a ton of near falls on the champion team. Just really made you want to see it after the zillion uh, you know reversals and pen attempts and pen reversals and flash pins and kickouts. So it's just like... I was super high on I really jungle boys work has been like, Oh no, he's like ready for his push. He's like very good right now. Um, you know, you have to come up with the right sort of story to see how you're going to elevate him out of, uh, his current position. But that match was just a great way. I thought to put some shine on a guy who's not in line to be pushed right now, but is like, obviously, Oh, he's really good. And keep an eye on this young guy. Yes, I agree. I don't have much to add to that. Apologize. I know I'm supposed to bring I'm supposed to disagree with you, I guess. Oh, but what flash pen do you want to see them like do? Like like I think Jungle Boy uh, could like if he has like a cool flash pen, especially for like being this young star, that's something you can get behind him with. Like you're absolutely right about that, Nate. I mean Jungle Boy has to do the Itabashi, right? The jungle connection. I the Itabashi is a good one. Uh, I'm not against the uh Zumi Sushi. Uh oh, I love that. Uh the Sky to Schoolboy. That's another one that I know that we have Shima around. Shima could teach him how to do a sky to school boy. Maybe the backslide. I mean, love a good backslide. He could summon the backslide from the jungle. You know, he has the hair that Ginky Horiguchi doesn't have, but he could summon similar energy. So there's a lot of different ways to go with this. My only thing about this match, I thought it was weird that they had like Jungle Boy get the heat on Dax for a few minutes. And I was like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what's the point of this? He's the baby face. He should be better than the, the heel. Yeah, but that's He's not how a I... better competitor. That's not how a heat segment works. Well, it wasn't the heat segment, but then it turned around and it just, no, I, I thought the structure was great. I just don't think that's the best use of, of Jungle Boy in that spot. It got better later. I just thought it was weird early on. I mean, they did. They they got heat on him. Yeah, I know, They're but I didn't know. They didn't, but. I'm saying like in that kind of set structure of a match, he's not supposed to be getting heat on someone. He's supposed, that's why they call it the shine. He's supposed to shine early on and do his shit, not work over Dax Harwood's arm. Okay, that's my yeah. All right. (laughs) Uh, let's see. I'm deciding between two things here. We might as well just do the Evilise thing up top, right? Sure. So, Evilise. Um, I was really looking forward to this match because Evilise is a competent pro wrestler. Thunder Rosa is a very good pro wrestler, and I thought, all right, there's some heat to this. It'll be fun. And uh, instead, it was just like okay. And you look back and you realize that apparently, uh, what do you mean? You could tell during the match that Ivelisse was sandbagging, which was funny. Well, and, if, you, if you follow Robert, then he would, he was telling you for hours beforehand that it was going to be uh, a disaster. So you at least had your, your antenna were up to keep an eye out for something. And, and Robert like leveled up his batting average. Let's call a spade a spade. Robert was right for I, once. Did he? Did he? I mean, given some of the other things in the past. Okay, well here's here's my thing about this. So the, Ro- the Robert is Robert is is has transcended the idea of batting averages or getting things <laughs> right or wrong. He's just Robert. He's yeah. just uh, he's a force of nature, and you got to respect it. It's the Colin Coward of Twitter. That uh, not even fair. It's unfair to <laughs> Robert. Um, the thing about this is there's all these people saying that uh, that they 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 were shooting they were shooting on each other. 
Well, so Sean Ross Sapp in particular put on uh, the Fightful Patreon um, that, you know, they were not cooperative with each other. And, uh, you know, the general thrust of it was maybe uh, Ivelisse was not selling for Thunder Rosa appropriately. And Thunder Rosa, you know, who has done MMA and has martial arts backgrounds, you know, and was already known for, you know, uh, uh, laying shots in and being uh, a, a firm worker uh you know maybe tried to make evilly sell and it you know turned into a more heated sort of thing i guess is how i would outline it yeah i just think like shooting is a lot different than like giving somebody a stiff kick or whatever like right yeah this wasn't like an absolute breakdown yeah right. shooting is like if you were trying to win a fight or like trying yeah. to hurt a person yeah and i don't think that happened here but the the real reason why i don't think that happened here is they have booked a match between Ivelisse and Diamante and Thunder Rosa and Ikarushita for next week. If a person gets in your ring and shoots on someone, you cannot have them back the next week. You just can't do it. And, and on top uh, of that... A very, very gay mindset from you, Aaron. <laughs> well, no, I, I, mean, I mean, like, okay, the, the Dickinson thing, they deserved that, by the way. The Ugly <laughs> Ducklings deserved to get shot on, and Chris Dickinson should have been given a fucking medal. <laughs> for what he did. Um, but it's like lots of you. Real lots of you right there. Well, I mean, the they completely botched that Mike, you should have been mad about this because they didn't catch Chaka. That's what he was so oh, mad oh, about. Oh no, I I know what it is. I'm just I'm just point scoring right here. Yeah. With you. Anyway, um yeah, but like if you have somebody <laughs> come into your promotion and like the match breaks down to the point that they start shooting. You just you can't trust them in the ring again. I mean, that's just like you can't do that. That's and, insane. And, and on top of that, like the idea that this is happening for another promotion title that you're trying to like with, with like the situation with the NWA and the situation with like Thunder Rosa, like you, I I assume that like just because of like how things would be, it would be like, oh yeah, we're gonna get like an NWA World Women's Title match on TV. That makes sense. So if you're gonna do this, like, and this is taped. Why are you going to go back to it? You know, like, are I mean, you have the you have the possibility of one editing, two just doing another match and just acting like Evilise just does not exist, or three, as as Aaron said, not have the match live next week. That match is going to be live. That's a live show. Uh, yeah, that's insane. Within well, within this, she is in the ring, so we could hope out that that she keeps things on the straight and narrow. Yeah, they just may not tag Diamante out. She may do the whole match. Um. Within this deletion, I have to. Both women are elite in my mind because uh, I love. If we take Evelise to be the AEW representative in this match, and of course Thunder Rosa is the you know outsider coming into AEW, then I love. Uh, neither woman wanted to sell for the other one because uh, they're you know rival promotions or whatever. I love uh, you know both women being more stiff when they're not don't feel like it's going appropriately or they're. Uh, you know, getting getting the appropriate level of cooperation in the ring. Uh, just real old school, great shit. Love, you know, we'll never get the real kind of like interpromotional feuds that might have happened in, in Japan in whatever time period. But uh, I just like the old school idea of this person's from a different company. I'm going to go out and big timer uh, and then we're going to turn into some real raw shit. That's fun to me. I have no problem with Rosa being like, what the fuck? I'm going to kick a little bit harder until you straighten up like i don't mind that at all um 
I don't know. I guess I like Rosa. I guess I'm blaming blaming Ivelisse. The well, story yeah. does sound like it could also just be Rosa's <laughs> fault. <laughs> so I, 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 really I mean, well, let, let's call a spade a spade here. Which one of these two has the uh, rep has the rep of being one of the most toxic people and being run out of a lot of promotions? And which one is coming in as like a guest of another promotion that you're trying to cooperate with? There's a track record. Yeah, I can't. I can't back down from saying Evilise is good many, many times uh, over various platforms. So, I, mean, I can't. I can't make. I can't make a judgment call on that. The thing that I find particularly interesting, I think this was from the Sean Rossap report, is that Rosa is working at Dustin's school. She definitely did a tweet with him where they. She was like, yeah. "Hey, I love Dustin." Okay, so like that just further signals to me that she has. You know, there's some interwovenness between her and, and AEW that I further expect her to be there unless whatever happened with this fucking match. I don't know. But I, the point, the thing I'm really deleting here is nobody shot on anybody in this match. <laughs> oh, oh no. It was just like you, you, you hit them stuff to get them lighten up and be like, Hey, yeah. get your act together. And that th- this isn't like when we've made jokes in the past about having like a true, like shooters division, this isn't like some <laughs> of the breakdowns with people who've been in this company before. You know, this yeah. was not bad. No, it was fine. Okay. Uh, ratings time, not as big of a week for AW. They dropped down to 886,000. But I say that, and then they were also third in the demo, which is their best performance since the the, uh, the first show, I believe. Uh, 0.34 in the demo, down slightly from a 0.37. Uh, NXT down to a 689 from 838. 31st in the demo with a 0.18. I, I think the big takeaway from this, when you like look at the ratings and the fact this was their first real head-to-head in over a month, is most of the losses that AEW suffered were in the 50-plus. Uh, I mean, that was their sub-demographic that dropped the most. They still were number one on cable and uh, men uh, 18 to 49. They were number one on cable of people 18 to 34. And they were number one on cable and men 12 to 34. So really a lot of this loss, it seems to be like, yeah, there was a people 18 to 49 pullback, but it does seem like it was mostly slighted towards the top 50, but it's at a point right now where AEW is, has, there's a more of a gulf between AEW and NXT right now. AEW is closer to doubling up NXT than AEW has with number one show on cable in the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, which I think is kind of a real remarkable thing. And, you know, I don't entirely buy the whole, the whole argument about, USA and WWE in collaboration trying to like kneecap AEW. I think that seeing how like everything's been over the past month, I feel like that when you're going to do like your upfronts and your presentations for 2021, I don't know exactly how or where they're going to be doing that. You're going to have a conversation to be made about maybe that the the position of AEW being the only show on Monday versus NXT or on Wednesday, my bad, Wednesday and NXT possibly going to Tuesday night. All right, well, let's get into the the show in its entirety, the stuff we haven't talked about yet anyway. We started out with Jurassic Express in the ring. The Young Bucks came out, super kicked Mike Posey, and then walked out. As they walk backstage, Tony Khan's sitting there in a T-shirt, basketball shorts. They throw some money at him and say, you want to find us, Tony? And then FTR is also there. I'm just like, I'm kind of curious, I guess, about where this is going. It seems pretty yeah. weird so far. And uh, but I don't you know, I'm, I've been told by our listeners that sometimes I'm 
uh, slightly impatient when it comes to storylines. So I'm willing to figure out what exactly the Young Bucks are so upset about. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm curious. And it's one of those things that it's an interesting way of keeping them off of TV with or keeping them out of matches with, with still giving them something to do. You know what I mean? Like, that's something that should be said about, like, the TV shows. Like, no Cody. Like, no mention of Cody this week whatsoever. The Bucks were in the first segment, and that was it. Kenny was on commentary. And Jericho did a 9 o'clock match, and that was it. And Mox was in one segment. So it's interesting, like, how this is what they're going to do with this. I'll be interested to see where they, how they pay this off. <laughs> <laughs> Guys... <laughs> I thought I thought Nate, I thought you had something there, bud. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. Uh it became apparent that you were waiting for me to talk. Um <laughs> the uh and then I started freaking out that the, that Jitsi fell apart again. Uh the Bucks are just looking out for number one and they're going back. They're gonna go back to the old me uh and just be nasty pricks because uh them being sweet, good Christian boys has not led to winning ways for them. Uh and it's just created a bunch of drama in the elite. So they're just going to be dicks and super kick people. Um, and uh, that's how they're going to make a bunch of money. All right. That's the story. After that was uh, FTR defeating Jurassic Express. As we talked about, Alex Marvez was backstage. Matt Hardy is down. He's got a trainer working on his knee. He asked Private Party what happened. For some reason, Matt Hardy is unable to talk to say who attacked him. Uh, Jericho and Hager walk up. Little concern trolling, uh, but Jericho is holding the bat, and uh, yeah, that was it. I like this as a setup for hey, if Matt Hardy is actually valuable and contributes to Private Party being a better team, then having Jericho take out their manager is like oh, he's actually being underhanded and hurting their chances to win, but not actually, uh, you know, outright cheating. Although I think they did cheat later in the match anyway. Uh, but that's just you know, just kind of. Uh, Keeps Hardy around without needing him to do anything in or around the ring. Um, and also just puts over the idea that he's like a valuable asset to private party. Next up, Kenny Omega came out for commentary. And then something I'm surprised hasn't come up yet. Hangman Page defeated Frankie Kazarian in an excellent match with the Buckshot Lariat. Yeah, this was solid. You know, this was a match that took a little bit to get going. But when it got into it, I mean... Uh, I don't like using the sneaky good phrase, but Frankie Kazarian by himself, he's been he's put together like some matches that have gone under the radar and been really fun and, you know, really brutal looking buckshot lariat at the end. Like that was really well done and Kazarian kind of repositioned himself for that made it look brutal. And then, you know, Kenny on commentary was real interesting because it was a a solid way because usually when you have like so many people on commentary, it just turns into a mess. But Kenny was pretty effective saying like, hey, you know, like, there's a reason why I was with Adam Page, but now I'm no longer with him. And then, like, they were able to, like, address that in commentary. And then when he left and refused to, like, go celebrate with Hangman and just, like, further solidifying the fact that they were no longer together. They'll never, ever be getting back together. And then they, they walked, <laughs> as he walked away. We are never, ever, ever. There we go. There we go. I'm glad. N Nate completely no sold me and just looked like he was angry at me for that for that joke but like you had a scalper then be like well that was awkward and like the idea of like okay like everyone is like addressing like the issue at hand so i thought this was really effective this this match was a absolute blast yeah uh really good match um kaz also had that really good uh match with john moxley on tv um but i was i what took away from it was the whole will they won't they thing with kenny and page again 
going back to that. That's I I don't know. We were just trying to get away from Hangman. Is he in the elite? Is he out of the elite? And now they're they're doing the exact same thing. It's just is he in the tag team with Kenny? Is he out of a tag team with Kenny? Um. So uh, I, basically, I just need Kenny to stick to his word and be like, "No, man, I'm not gonna be fucking in a tag team with you." And that that be the impetus for his heel turn or whatever. That would be okay, but all the will they won't they in the meantime is is gonna is gonna grind on me. Also, I kind of like wanted to see Hangman lose some matches or something. I mean, he just like he's like in this really deep dark place, and then he just comes back and like has a good match and wins. Yeah, that was a thought I had. Like, oh, if this guy's really at his lowest point or whatever, then maybe he should be losing. But you know, he did go pretty long with Kaz, who's not exactly a pushed guy. Um, so I guess you can kind of excuse it on that note. And I would rather have a very clear uh you know tiering or delineation of who's on what level than you know have guys eating losses just to get over a little sports entertainment storyline next up was a video recapping the best friends santana and ortiz stories they were getting us set up for the main event after this we saw on on cable tv we saw just the end i mean i know it was seven seconds but we didn't see like all it was was the the fujiwara armbar mjf defeating sean dean uh after the match MJF cuts a promo. He says, he's an honest man. Moxley's dishonest because he cheated. He says, he's the champion, should be the champion. Request to be referred to as the undefeated, undisputed, uncrowned AW champion. Makes Justin Roberts announce this title. Then he says, it's become very clear he's never going to get a fair shake around here because you have to get, you have to be part of a group or a stable to get a fair shake. Like Moxley? The guy who he just had this big story with? Who's not part of a group or a stable? He says, he's always fancied himself a lone wolf. He apparently watched The Hangover for the first time this past weekend uh, because he it's time for him to join a wolf pack, but maybe I won't join a wolf pack. This was the dumbest fucking promo. I hated it. <laughs> so bad. It didn't, uh, it didn't mean anything. I It didn't do anything for me, but at least it's, you know, a guy lost a world title challenge match. Uh, at least they have some new direction for him to go in. That was kind of like, oh, okay, is he going to join something? Is he not? Is he going to put something together? Is he going to rebuff somebody's advances and take them out or whatever? That's that's at least a way to keep a guy as prominent in the promotion and on the program as possible without losing all of his steam from losing the title match. I just hate the fact they completely abandoned him and Wardlow having Discord. Like that was the interesting route to be going, and now it's the one man wolf pack, and then whatever the dumb thing he had Justin Roberts say. No, I, I, we complained before on this program about them going to the breakup too fast. So I like, you know, better to hint at it, come back to it, keep it in the back of people's minds without, you know, driving into the ground with the subtlety hammer, I think. But I mean, they've been together now for almost a full year. Like they're coming up on that. Yeah. It's, this I, hasn't been like a quick thing. No, I, I just, you know, when they do that, that should elevate Wardlow to like, the main event picture and i don't think they're they don't have the room for them there yet so i just think like the undefeated i just think that's boring and uh the i was like okay well this is kind of interesting when he's like doing the fair shake thing but then it's completely undermined by the fact that the guy that he's feuding with it was feuding with is not part of a, a stable and then he's like oh i might join a group or i might not it's like well then why did you tell us this why didn't you get your thoughts in order mjf before you came out here to talk to us yeah, it was it. It's functional. It's not much else. The uh, 
the thing where he just like promos on guys while he enters and then beats them right away is better. He should just promo on guys while he beats them really quickly and then not do these big long monologues before or after the fact. Yeah. That that would be because he's be- he's better when he's off mic and doing his character in the ring and like healing on people while in the fight. That's more interesting to me than let me do my big Miz monologue. Yeah, like on the on the indies, I was like never M to NJF. I felt about like I do about him now when he was on the indies. And then when he showed up on AEW, I was not looking forward to it. And then I was like, hmm, maybe this guy's gotten quite a bit better. Like he's really doing some some fun stuff that's uh at least compelling. And I think that's when he was doing more of that, you know, just kind of like a quick promo as he walked to the ring. And yeah, I think if you can minimize this uh more is more is or less is more <laughs> i think the most uh the most effective like heel stuff he's done on the mic is that griff garrison match where he beat him and then promoted on him in mid-match and then continued to finish the, to finish the match that's that's more in line with i think his strong points than big monologues certainly didn't help that next uh they brought out a, an actual good promo eddie kingston comes out with the rest of his crew he says he has three points. One, he never lost the Battle Royal. Two, uh, we're a family, not a stable or a faction. So he's also still, he's kind of poking at MJF. I don't know if this was intentional or not, but it uh, seemed like it was. Uh, and he says, most families, when they fight, they go out to dinner or have therapy, but we do violence. So he tells Butcher and Blade to find someone, uh, and they all beat up Griff Garrison, Kevin Blackwood, and some other person that I couldn't tell who it was. Daniel Garcia. Daniel Garcia. And then I thought they were going to forget the third point, which I thought was funny because it was a tape show. <laughs> and then he was like, third, uh, since we got us together, it's time for you, Blade, to get your house in order. So, Nate, buddy, I think they're going to pay off your least favorite angle. Great segment. I'm so thankful that Eddie's here to save the promotion. Uh, you know, I said they should have signed him in the first place when we started this podcast. So better late than never. Um, yeah, they're going to fix the bunny angle. And it's just because Eddie, you know, he can re- react dynamically to what's going on in the promotion around him. He hears MJF cut that promo and he's like, oh, I'm going to make a point of talking about how we're not a, a stable or a faction. We're a family. Uh, and then, yeah, they're going to go get something cooking with the fucking nightmare family or whatever and solve this bunny problem. And I'm all about it. It does feel like we talked a lot about somebody mentioned earlier about tearing. We talked a lot about that early on in the promotion. And I feel like they've gotten away from it a little bit. And now it's like, okay, maybe we're kind of separating people out and, and there can be little stories within tiers that are, are a little more compelling, you know, the uh, team Taz and, and Darby thing, like that whole thing that's been going on. And now this, like maybe if there's a nightmare family versus Eddie's group here, and they don't have to be about titles necessarily. The team Taz one is vaguely about a title. They don't have to be about a title. They don't have to be connected to the main event. Um, they could just have something else going on. So let's add some depth to the show. Next up, Chris Jericho and Jake Hager defeated Private Party. Chris Jericho pinned Isaiah Cassidy after he hit him with the Judas effect. After the match, Jericho put Isaiah in the walls of Jericho, but Mark Quinn was finally able to get up from outside the ring and make the save. Seems like a big spotlight on Mark Quinn there. One other thing about this was the finish with like, I feel like this was a great initial sell of the Judas effect. And then uh, Cassie was doing like an arm tremor thing, like <laughs> yeah, doing that. Bad. And then no, it was like good. The, that was one thing. It's, he did it before, he, and I put it on the on the show. It was good. Nate, he switched arms that he was tremoring during the pinfall. That's okay, not good. It, it, 
You sure it is. Your your neurons fire differently across your body. It's the the yeah. head trauma. You know the the neurons reconnected one area, causing the other area to go dark. <laughs> That's how guys fucking learn brain science. Jesus, I refuse. Refuse to learn brain science. Neurons. Sounds fake. Um, I we talked about this, but NWA Women's Title Thunder Rosa defeated Eva Lee with a pile driver. After the match, Diamante attacked Rosa. Sheeta made the save in some mom jean shorts. Very good look for her. Very cool. Uh, she retrieves Rosa's belt and places it on her shoulder. So, you know, they're nice little friends here. Uh, she had great socks, too. Nate, did you check out her socks in this? Those, these oh, I, I missed her socks. I saw Puff's socks, but I didn't notice Sheeta's socks. She, she had some fun socks, too. Being the fun <laughs> sock correspondent, I feel like you would have some thoughts. No, I, I guess I, I, I blew it. I blew my beat. uh the miro high t miro segment which we talked about uh i don't did we i guess we talked about this too didn't we the lance archer team taz segment yeah because it had willpower hobbs that's right uh box did call him oakland's most violent willpower will hobbs sure uh and we've talked about the main event too the best friends defeated santana and ortiz so we've we've pretty much covered this show so that was that was good for us uh, if you have enjoyed the show so far and you enjoy the show generally, you want to support us, please go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up still about half the month left. So you get plenty of value. Plus you get all the audio we've ever done. If you sign up for at least the $5 tier this week, we did uh, an episode about the, you can't kill David Arquette documentary with all of us. And, uh, SB joined us for that. Basically we do about one uh, extra bonus show a week, but then we also do light every week. Mike and I preview dynamite, break down dark and any other kind of, uh, content that's out there. And then Nate does the vlogs, BTE and whatever, you know, Sammy's vlog sometimes just whatever is, is, uh, the thing that's going on. We do a lot of other stuff. We have a discord, which we'd love for you to join and come chat with us during dark and dynamite. And I've been doing stardom five-star grand prix, uh, mostly daily audio. I saved a few so that Oak Gang could join me today. And we talked about the the nine twelve night show. But if you're a Stardom fan, uh, it's good. And then we got plenty of other stuff for, for everybody else. So that's patreon.com slash everything elite. I might have to to get that RSS feed and hear this episode with Oak Gang. <laughs> wow. Nate just admits <laughs> that he's never listened to a single piece wow. of audio on our Patreon. I mean, because I'm recording, you know, a great deal of them. Sure. Yeah. There's there's a certain... See, here's the other thing about doing an AEW podcast. I'm not really complaining, but, you know, and then you're in a group DM, and then my real-life friends who watch AEW all want to text me about AEW. Uh, and then, you know, uh, other tangential people who uh, want to talk about AEW want to talk to me about AEW, which sure. is like, great. Uh, but I can only have so many conversations or listen to so many things about AEW in a given week before it just becomes an illness. Uh, but you did say that Oakgan came prepared with a list of all the things you got wrong for stardom, and that just yes. that's a great that's a great draw. You should advertise that. That's what I advertise, my man. That's what I. Well, I just I, I did on the show. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, Oat joined me. Um, he was great as always. So it was a, it was a fun episode. He was making fun of my uh, Meltzerian math on figuring out the standings. I will often be like, okay, I think this person is a limit. Uh, let's see two. No, no. If this happens in this, you know, so that's usually what I do. So he's making fun of that. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, Nate, you know, 
I listen uh, whenever you do a show that I wasn't on. I mean, I go back and listen to it and uh, see how it was. You know, Mike's shows I go back and listen to. You know, so just anytime you want to, I'll hit you with that RSS feed. All right. Yeah, I just <laughs> let you know. There you go. <laughs> I won't remember that, but it's okay. <laughs> uh, we got two Dynamites, kind of, coming up sort next of. week. Uh, first, on Tuesday night, after Inside the NBA. So not just after the game, but then after the studio show that they do after the game. Or 10 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. Is it, is it a 7 o'clock game, I guess, that night? Uh, it's going to be Scorpio Sky versus Ben Carter, Brandy Rhodes versus Anna Jay. Can't believe they're giving that match away on this show. I mean, big match right there. Yeah. Big Matt Seidel versus Sean Spears, and Chris Jericho is going to be on commentary. So let's we'll talk about that first. Thoughts on that show? Uh, it's, it's a pretty curious card for a show that is presumably meant to just catch some new eyeballs, just be like, hey, they can promote this throughout the NBA game and inside the NBA, and then maybe new people tune in. Um, and I guess Jericho's your big draw on commentary, but then you have... Ben Carter. Ben Carter, who's like not a roster guy, and Matt Seidel, who's like probably not a roster guy. Um, so you wonder, they're going to job to like sort of mid-card guys in the promotion. And then your big match is, with, with all the build is brandy and anna mm -hmm. which is you know you want to put your best foot forward there um this is a very curious card i don't know uh, you know it's if you're doing a big dynamite these aren't the matches you book i guess is my point and it's something that this was the hour that was supposed to be this week with the whole playoffs and i think this was the the make good from Turner, based on the fact that they moved around aew so much because of the nba playoffs they gave him an hour right after an nba game so you're doing that, and it's going to be a. a I did. It's not going to be a 10 p.m. start, regardless. It's going. I did not realize that this is Lakers versus Nuggets, uh, and finals, uh, West Finals Game Three. So it's going to have a nine o'clock Eastern start time, at least as yeah. This is going to be on at midnight. This is going to be on like at 1 a.m. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's why that makes more sense. Yeah. You know, if it was going to be like a real prime this, spot, it's like maybe do the Hangman and Kazarian match on this show so you can get Hangman sure. a, a good, really strong win. It, it, it's something where I guess what they're going to try to see is see whose DVR catches this and who doesn't. This was something that they said was evergreen and looking at these three matches. Brandy versus Anna Jay isn't necessarily evergreen, but I get the idea of how they're doing that. Uh, you know, Ben Carter being back is a kind of a big thing. He's kind of the uh, number one prospect on the Indies right now. So that's interesting. But, you know, it is what it is. We'll figure out how we're going to cover it. Yeah, I'm not staying up till one o'clock to watch it, just to be clear. <laughs> uh and then I don't, I don't even think they've said about how it's going to work on fight i have no yeah maybe it's not even going to be on if it's a special tnt engagement yeah it might not be and then on dynamite normal dynamite on wednesday we've got the six man we talked about lance archer brian cage and ricky starks versus john moxley will hobbs and darby allen tnt championship is going to be on the line brody lee versus orange cassidy Hikaru Shida and Thunder Rosa will take on Diamante and Ivelisse and what you have to tune in to see, frankly. And uh, Chris Jericho will also appear live. And this is a live show. So now this, you have two like pretty great multi-person matches here. Yeah. And then this Brody and Orange Cassidy, like it seems way too soon for this, right? And, and yeah. they just kind of like slid this in 
to like the match announcements yeah. next week. They're like, oh yeah, we're having Brody Lee versus Orange Cassidy. I'm like, y'all could build that up. Like that's awesome. Yeah. Like that's those two guys have great chemistry together in the past. And is but y'all could have like teased this out a little bit, like not just like slide this in. There, I, I, you know, I'm guessing you must get a fuck finish or something of some kind. Dark Order gets involved to, yeah. to protect Orange Cassidy, but you know, see, Orange Cassidy is the guy who invested all this time in getting over Chris Jericho, and then you have him against your hot new champion, who's like twice his size. It's it's a tough, tough sort of thing to work. So if they can solve that, that'll be really good. Uh, but yeah, it's also, um, you know, people. A lot of discourse. Meltzer has been saying it, uh, and I said it earlier in the show that they don't give away a lot on TV. They, they kind of do. They just don't give it. They don't give it all away to you at the same time. They, they appropriately sort of time things out. But it's like Brody Lee of Orange Cassidy. I don't know. Orange Cassidy was like in a top match on the pay per view, and then Brody Lee's first defense is what we were all sitting around waiting for, and then here it is all of a sudden. So. You know, they're, it's not like they don't do feud blow-offs like we just saw on this television show. They certainly do. It's just they, they, they I think, time things out well, and they give stuff the appropriate amount of attention where you're going to have stuff that's always bubbling under uh, and always building, and then just occasionally you have to burn something off to keep people tuned into the TV, uh, and just hopefully you can kind of get the perfect storm when you're leading up to pay-per-view. I just, like, fundamentally disagree that they don't give things away on TV. Like, two weeks ago on this show, I was complaining that they blew a bunch of pay-per-view matches on TV. And, Nate, I yeah. believe your response to me was, it's a TV promotion. Well, so it you is have a TV to do promotion. those matches on TV. Yeah, it is a TV promotion. That's true. They, It's just a matter you have to give away the right amount of things on TV. Right? That's the... Because you have yeah. to keep people tuning in. And it, theoretically, if it's a touring promotion, you have to have people that want to come out and buy tickets to see big matches. Yeah, I just like, I don't know. I just think it's such a weird take of, of like, it's hey, mostly, wow, well, they really keep things under wraps at AEW. Don't put their big matches on TV. Uh, so what, what it really is, that. what it really is, is it's a symptom of Meltzer comparing it to NXT. And you can see the distinction from NXT because yes. NXT is that's title match, title right. match, ladder yeah. match, ladder match, cage match, cage match, cage match. Hey, so that's compared to NXT. They don't give shit away. I, I made mean, NXT. They're bringing the fray back next week. The fray. Now we know Gabe Sapolsky is fully writing that program because they've just taken one of the worst matches from like late WWE and Gabe and putting it on NXT. Yeah, I totally get it as compared to NXT, but I just think in a vacuum, it's just not true that they don't give matches away, <clears throat> which I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that they sure. obviously and absolutely give matches away on TV. Um, okay. The only other news piece that we have is that, you know, there was, I think a lot of us were talking, maybe this was privately talking, but of like, how are they going to get people to keep coming out to these shows? And it looks like one way that they've tried to head that off is by doing a season pass, which I think is a really good idea, actually, like a good way of combating the, the problem of trying to get people from the same small area to keep coming to the shows. When are they going to have AEW personal seat licenses? Ooh. Ooh. Don't give them that idea. That could... <laughs> I, okay. I, I think I think Tony has that idea already. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Uh, the, yeah. No, this is something that especially like Jacksonville and with everything, I think this is really smart. Uh, 
I think it's like the next seven live tapings that they're doing this for. And, you know, I mean, we we've seen that like they were able to get all 750 for uh, all out. But then ever since then, like I know that tickets were down for that and just kind of like cements idea that they would rather have a crowd than sell tickets in this point. So I think that that like really this isn't like necessarily like a big monetary thing. This is like we want to get people in the building. So I think that's pretty smart. All things considered with all of our usual uh, COVID-19 caveats, just saying that, because I feel like that we need to have that said each time we talk about that. I don't know. I, I still, I stand by my previous statement that it's safer to go to the show than it is to wrestle on it. That doesn't seem controversial to me at all. That seems like a pretty, because when you're wrestling, you're slamming up against other people a lot. No, but I just, I saw these, like, I saw the tech coming back again of like, I can't believe they're putting people's lives at risk by letting them come to these shows. And I'm like, no, it seems extremely safe actually to go to the show. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems as safe as possible to go to the show, but yeah, the, the people wrestling on it are uh, oftentimes traveling a lot from place to place and they're in close physical proximity with like Chris Jericho, who's playing Sturgis and shit. So, and also they're slamming into like car shield windows. So yeah, it seems way less safe to be a wrestler. Yeah, I yeah, engine blocks. Like no, I, I just mean less say from a COVID perspective, not just like that. But I mean Yeah, like, no, that, that was a joke. I, I was mostly yeah. you know, Jericho Surge's physical proximity. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um I don't know. There's a lot of like they're they're starting to announce like outside concerts and stuff. And with like pods, you know, kind of like the way they're uh doing it at AEW. And it's like, I don't know, it's kind of it's uh, compelling to me certainly considering it you're just hoping that you can get like a jason as a building like let's call a spade a spade oh he's already announced like four shows so so so, so that well let's just get all the cards out on the table for you like oh, you're yeah, like I'm, oh jason jason, jason isabel's doing it so i'm down i'm just saying like i'm like <laughs> a, an absolute crazy person when it comes to covid related things like i've probably stayed in the house more than uh more than most people uh maybe not mike sure i i mean uh, to, to quote the Earl Sweatshirt uh, album, I don't like people. And I don't go outside. No, but... That was a bad reference. My bad. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, I but I butchered that. That was a bad joke. But honestly, it's AEW that of seeing that. It's like, oh, wait. If you are just around like you're the people that you came with and you are outside and you're wearing a mask, I'm just, I don't know. I've come down on the side that like being outside and wearing a mask is basically... Yeah. I think fine. we established sure. this like two weeks ago. Yeah. All right. Well, I may or may not go to the concert. Probably not. <laughs> Hard to talk people to go with me. Hard to talk people into going with me. I tried to get Sarah. I was like, let's go to this show. Where is it? Atlanta. She's like, well, what the oh, fuck? You're going to have to get a hotel? Go to Atlanta. That's like, like the travel for seven it. Seven hours way. for you? Yeah. Yeah. It's about, well, it's actually an Alpharetta. So it's about a six hour drive. Okay, I want right. to see some fucking live music, folks. It's been so long. I've <laughs> seen it before. To. Put put a fucking DVD on. It's not the same. Not the same. Uh, okay, that's the show. Go follow us on Twitter <laughs> at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron like the card. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, ya. subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Uh, please go check out Patreon.com/slash/EverythingElite and remember to go to my bookie and get a hundred or 100% deposit bonus if you use the promo code ELITE. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. I